We thought we would start this episode a little bit different. Firstly, welcome to the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I am your host, Richard Thompson. Today is our guest, Roz White of White's IGA. And this recording came about a little bit different than most. We sat down and had the most amazing conversation about her life, her successful professional life, her marriage and relationship with her husband, Michael, and her beautiful family. And that was great. And then we finished the interview and I asked her how I went as, as an interviewer. And I made mention that there was a, there was a couple of topics that I'd like, I would have liked to have um, discussed, but were very close to home in terms of her trauma or the difficult challenges that she's had to face. And because of my close relationship with Roz and Michael, um, they're being an incredible sponsor of mine for the last few years and I've grown and I've become closer to their family and their business. I didn't feel it was necessarily appropriate to ask about the last 10 years of her life and what she's had to go through. And she understood that and respected that. And then for the next 10 to 15 minutes after that, it was a completely different Ros White. And she was, she was so beautifully articulated what she went through and the difficulties that she had to face and how she got herself through that. And so fortunate that Cody uh, obviously kept the, reco- the microphones on and the, the screens on and we recorded that. And then a few days later, Code sends, sends me the file and it's just the most amazing piece of audio of such, such vulnerability and such strength. And so I called Roz on the weekend and said, look, I uh, appreciate your time and appreciate how open you were about discussing those topics. And by the way, we also recorded it. And I said to Roz, look, I know that that's a, it's a difficult thing to listen to yourself generally take that from me um uh, listen to you back listen back to the recordings but also very difficult to listen to yourself being you know extremely vulnerable and talking about a topic that you wouldn't talk about to to many people and so i told roz to take some time wait till she finds two feet on her on on the ground and, and a real sense of strength to listen to it and if she doesn't want, she, if she doesn't want uh, us to 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 use it or or, or say anything about it, we just delete it. Uh, no questions asked. But if she did find value in sharing it uh, for the greater audience, then we'd be happy to obviously include it. And um, I was I received a text on Tuesday that said, "Hello, Richard." You must be a special person to uncover my most vulnerable inner thoughts. How did you do that? Anyway, I've listened to these snippet and feel I share. I shall bravely reveal myself and embrace what is. Who knows? It might even release some of my anguish just by sharing. That's amazing. She has so much strength to want to share that. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Ros White and the uh the last 20 or so minutes 
when she gets into that discussion. Enjoy. I started this uh, podcast because I'm intrigued by the relationship between these ideas of success and happiness. And they're both subjective terms and how we define them within our own lives, totally up to us. But I do feel like everyone in part is searching for elements of both of those of success and of happiness throughout mm -hmm. their lives. And I've over the last few years, I've gotten to know you and Michael mm -hmm. and the entire Whites family. Um, and I don't think there would be uh, someone who would epitomise having both of those elements flowing out of them as freely and as beautifully as you do. And I think um, you can look at that sort of externally and internally mm. and you look at <clears throat> externally, you would argue that you can see all the awards you've received, Sunshine Coast Business Awards, IGA Business Awards, uh, you're in the IGA Hall of Fame, mm. you have six incredible stores on the Sunshine Coast. Um, you've been in the game with Michael, your husband, for 30 years mm. now which is amazing. Internally, donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to the community, have developed a program, a local war program mm. that gives back to the local producers um, and inputs or at least, yeah, pumps the local uh, economy so mm. much. Mm. And on top of all that, you have a very, it's so obvious how joyful you are and how positive you are and also the relationship that you have with Michael mm. and your kids mm. is just so pronounced <laughs> and so lovely. So with that being said, I ask the first question today is to you, uh, how do you define mm. success and happiness within your own life and how have you over the years self-assessed that mm. um, as you have gone through the ups and downs that life does provide? Mm. I guess um, success is about having time for the things that really matter to you in life and being able to identify what those things are clearly. And, you know, the things that are most important to me are very simple. My family, my children, my partner, my you know, and my broader family. Um, so that's, you know, it's pretty simple to focus on things when they're very clear to you what is important to you. And then if you can spend, find the time in your busy schedule to be able to foster that and nurture that and have enjoyment and joy from that um, and it's just simple, then... It's, you know, that's achievable. I think what's not achievable sometimes is if we um, set our expectations too high or unrealistic. And But the things that are most important to me, if they're the things that I can find time to people to be with or, you know, that's most important. Everything else from there just flows. Do you make the decision from they're the most important things in my life and therefore decisions that I make outside of those relationships must complement that still? You talk about the busy schedule and making time mm. for that anyway, or is it, you know, when you decide to do something in business or in life, 
I assume it always comes back to does this benefit? I think they're separate. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite a private person at home. I guess I I, I go into my little. Co- I'm a very different person at home to what I am, what you might see in the external world. Mm. I'm just a very simple. The simplest things make me the happiest. You know, I just enjoy going to the beach, spending time with my family, cooking a roast on a Sunday night. They're the things that bring me joy. Cooking for my family, you know, being with friends, laughing, laughter. The simple things that all of us can enjoy, you know, the things that get in the car and drive up the beach or, you know. Um, but they're very, they're very separate, whereas business is a task and there's fulfilment in that. So the Locavore program, for instance, it has a purpose, a really strong purpose. Our business has a really strong purpose and I'm laser focused on that. And, and you know, there's value behind it, you know, value for people, value for the community, value for your team. It delivers something. So there's fulfilment and there's some satisfaction in that if it's going well and you can see that it's making a difference. Mm. Um, but I can quite easily separate those two things and there are different, the, you know, happiness is when I'm with my special friends and family. Um, success is, um, yeah, making time for those special people in my life. But so, the other is just what I do. Mm-hmm. Just get out of bed, do this. Do, it's just what I do. It's just what we do. And um, not to undervalue and be grateful for the support that we've received from the community that has en- enabled us to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, not to undervalue the support from our team that is the only reason we can do what we do. Mm-hmm. Without them, it doesn't happen. And being grateful for them. And being um, and acknowledge them and their amazingness. Mm. Um, that's really, really important. And it all really just comes back to being grateful, I think. Mm. Identifying what you're so blessed to have in your life and then saying thank you for those things. It's quite simple. So those simple uh, elements that you talked about, the idea of success and happiness are intertwined for you because mm. it comes back to that. It comes yeah. back to them. Well, I guess they are, aren't they? Mm. You know, but it depends what success is to you, isn't totally. it? And it's different to everybody. So, um, but, you know, success, I get I get super excited. I guess success to me in a business context, I get super excited. Like it really fills me up mm. when I see somebody else achieving. So, you know, when we receive an award, it's like, ah! I'm cheering for the team. I'm excited, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, they are. Mm -hmm. And I see joy in that. Or, you know, a supplier, a new and emerging supplier, you know, they've crafted something amazing and they come and they say, oh, can I go on, you know, go and present it or whatever, come to me and present it or whatever. And you just see the love and the the effort and everything that's gone into it. And then when you say to them, yeah, we'll give you a go, oh, my gosh, and then that fills my heart Mm -hmm. with joy to see the happiness and the difference that that makes in their life. Um, You know, who couldn't get excited by that? And then you see them elevate and their business succeed and they go on and they're employing more people and they're doing amazing things and, you know, it's a continuation of that. It's just, it's it really lights my soul. Mm. That's beautiful. Take me back to Colston Lakes. Oh, my gosh. Growing up. 
growing up, you talk about really? you talk about the uh, the importance of family. Mm. Now, yeah, um, youngest of the tribe, yes, um, and growing in, up in rural Queensland, is that talking about how your parents created that environment for you to now, I guess, um, value family so highly. Mm. Well, I was just this little bratty, ratty little, you know, I some scratchy little kid from the bush. I always will be because that's who I am inside. You know, I don't think you change. Um, youngest of eight children. So I was always kind of, well, very unkindly, my family used to say that I was the spoiled brat and they still do, Richard, and it's quite that's unfair, unfair that's really. Unfair. Um, so that's something they tease me about. So youngest always looked up to my brothers and sisters with, complete and total utter admiration and still do. Mm-hmm. And as you do, I think, with when you're the youngest, look up to them. Um, Mum and Dad always instilled, you know, really good sort of basic good values, I think, in us. And we were always taught manners and it were, we had a beautiful environment at home, you know, lots of laughter, lots of hard work though, you know. It wasn't all easy streets, smooth sailing, of course. There's lots of challenges on farms and with lots of kids and you know but um but you know we had I had a happy childhood Mm. and I think I was very fortunate it just it starts there doesn't it you know when you've got you you're well fed we're never starving uh yeah sure we were taught to work at you know if if you were old enough to basically get around start walking dad would be giving you a list of jobs to do and, you know, that never changed. So it's in our DNA. I don't know how else to live my life. It's and actually hard to try and... Not do hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we, we, it was just a really honest, wholesome upbringing on the farm and um, lots of fun and a lot of freedom, I think. Yeah, that's what farm life gives you, you know. Did those lessons or, um, yeah, those lessons from your parents, is that an implied thing or did they were they... Oh, opportunities where they sat you down and said, this is the way you should be acting. No, no, it was more, you know, pull your socks up. Come on, kids. (laughs) It was never any sort of sitting down doing the the family chat. But we always had family meals together. So there was always that, I guess, that um, sense of unity Mm. and family because breakfast, you know, on a Sunday morning we'd always all have breakfast together. Um, And then at night... My dad was a very hardworking man. He'd be up before dawn. He'd come home after after dark. And um, we, mum always, we'd always had a family dinner together. So it didn't matter if that was 8 or 8.30 at night. We would always sit down. Mum would wait for dad to come home, have a bath. No shower when I was a little kid growing up. It was always in the bathtub and about... You know, he was the last one to have a bath in the water for after about six kids had been through. Perfect. <laughs> Imagine it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'd sit down as a family and have dinner. And it was late. Yeah, sure, the kids would go to bed. But mum was absolutely determined to make sure we had that time together as a family. Yeah, right. Is that something that you have – did you – have you brought that into your mm. family life yeah. over the years? Yeah. Yeah, when we were – when our kids were growing up, we always had dinner Yeah. at the family table at night. You know, and it, and we do, we do it now. You know, so on a Sunday, usually on a Sunday night, I always cook a roast for a family. It's family night, so the kids, saves in Brisbane, doing her thing. Harry's busy with, you know, he lives in separately to us. They've got their own places, and but Sunday night they come home, 
and um, and we sit around the dining table and we chat and have lots of good fun and laughter. That's mm. beautiful. Tell me about meeting Michael. Well, that was obviously a significant moment. <laughs> Interestingly enough, so we were both working in the bank and uh, independently. So he was he worked around Western Queensland and Toowoomba and Mergen and Miles and other places like that. Yeah. And I'd worked, obviously started in the country town and then moved to the Sunshine Coast and then kind of went and worked in other branches, went up to Harvey Bay for a while. And then we were actually transferred into the same branch on the same day. Oh, my goodness. And so for the very first and probably last time in my life, I was first to work. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there like a good little girl on the park bench waiting for my boss or, you know, to start the day, first day at school, almost feels like that. And um, anyway, and who should walk around this? Well, Michael walked around the corner and I just remember looking down and going, whoo. <laughs> he looks all right. <laughs> and that's how we met. And then how fast forward then to 1993 where you both open up? Yeah, so that was um, – so we kind of – it didn't take us long before we realised that we kind of liked each other and um, and started a relationship. And then um, we had – it was a time in the bank when if you wanted to progress or if you had any sort of ambition, there was an expectation that you would transfer to wherever. Right. That's how you progressed. And so you would take a, a promotion, but it would mean probably you'd move to another area. Or So at that time, there were a lot of families that were travelling around, you know, taking kids from school to school. And so we didn't necessarily, we'd, we'd found the place that we wanted to live. This was, you know, we're on the Sunshine Coast and yeah. we really wanted to make our home here. And so it wasn't really, you could stay in the bank for a period of time, but you knew probably before long there would be pressure to transfer. Mm. And so... We just um, combined every little bit of, you know, money that we had, I guess, at the time mm. and uh, bought a little convenience store in Maroochydore and it was really just to sort of provide us with a, something or an avenue to be able to stay here. So it been, would have been a lot of different options. What, what brought, drew you both to that avenue of business? It was just a business, you right. know. I think initially we'd looked at like a pizza shop or right. whatever. So it wasn't really about the industry. It was about, about the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, of course, you just adapt, don't you? So we actually didn't have enough money to buy the business. We were, we were a bit short on money to actually, because you buy stock on hand sure. as well. And we didn't quite have the money to buy the stock on hand. And we thought, at that point, maybe our dream was over and that we would, you know, have to go down another avenue. But the vendors, Rob and Sandy Cobb, who we bought that store from, who who opened the store a couple of years earlier, and um, they uh, and and we negotiated some terms with them, and we were able to pay the stock off over twelve months. Yeah, and it really was uh, a great support to us, and they became amazing mentors. And now, 30 years on, they've become our dearest friends. Oh, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, and they're very special to us. They're beautiful, beautiful couple. We've had a lot of fun and laughter with them over the years. And um, so, yeah, that was really just a, a wonderful, I guess if, if they didn't provide that opportunity for us, it probably wouldn't have, we really wouldn't have been able to get a start. And I worked, I continued to work full time 
And Michael went into the business initially and then um, I would just join him on, you know, as a support really mm. until we got to a point where um, I could resign from the bank and help him. But it was also necessary because he bought this little old van, you know, like a little delivery van and he started this confectionery run and so he would deliver wholesale chockies and lollies around to different little stores around the Sunshine Coast. It was really to supplement our revenue, I guess, yeah. and provide, um, provide a, I guess, a bit of a leg up, another bit of, a bit of income to help us sort of make ends meet. And then I worked in the store and, yeah, and that but was kind of how we that's such built a sli- slowly. That's a sliding doors moment, right, in terms of mm. that opportunity that, with vendor finance or yeah. that arrangement, because mm. you could it could be White's Pizza. Yeah, that it could we're have. talking oh about. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fair to say, as far as, as as I can see it, that you both are you both work next to each other mm. in the head office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Michael's, as and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael deals more of the commercial side of business, yeah. and your all the the stores. How have you both found? the balance between family and work and because it, it, from the outside it looks mm-hmm. like you do it very nicely but mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are there have been difficulties but yeah. what's what's what would be or how have you gone about that? Oh well I think it's a challenge for everyone particularly when you're raising children mm-hmm. and you know trying to find um, time with each other as a couple to try and keep your relationship strong as well. I guess in some ways, we're quite fortunate that we do complement each other's differences. Mm-hmm. That really helps because we support each other, always have, always will. And we're fortunate that um, our, as we gravitate to different parts of the business, it's just our natural sort of home. So we, I always say it's like having two CEOs. You're getting double bang for your buck. It's like having two CEOs that... You know, in an eight-hour day, getting sixteen hours of of work. Of work. Mm. It's not always smooth sailing, but you know, Michael and I are fairly. Both of us are really quite calm. I think. Well, Michael mightn't say that about me sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a very. Uh, I always say he's a very patient negotiator, but he has to be being married to me you now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's look, looking out for each other and our values are the same. Michael and I are very different to each other. We're very different people. Uh, he His interests are different to mine. You know, we're opposites in a lot of ways, but our core values are the same. Mm. So we appreciate each other and we really love and appreciate our family. Mm. And that's the thing that binds us together more than anything. That's your two feet on the ground. Yeah. You're starting from there, yeah, and then you can work mm. after that. Would that be the key to the to uh, creating a, a strong relationship with the two of you? You think that's probably you, yeah, yeah, because you know he, he, yeah. Look, we do things independently too, and that's the other thing that we've always given each other space, mm. and we he values his independence, and I value mine not to be separate from each other, but it just gives us our little space that we both need without smothering each other. And we, um, you know, often here's an analogy, and this actually happens, you know, when we were sort of young and getting around and having a great time in life and 
which we still do, but um, we'd go to a party mm. and he'd go in one direction, catch up with his friends. I'd go in, you know, another direction, catch up with my friends, but we always go home together. Mm. And so it's almost like that in life that, you know, we're very much a unit and uh, very much together, but you, we have our strong independence and we allow each other to have that. Yeah. Is that something uh, going forward in business? Because I look at both of you as like so driven on a business front, which is incredible. It's like it's like, it's like a power couple sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's but you both come back to those simple core values. Yeah. Um, you put children in the mix, and then you you got. I think uh, I read that you your second store you purchased a week after Harry was born. First, uh, yeah, the second store. That's right, Malone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, is that? Do you guys have a? Do you guys have that conversation as you progress to say this is getting challenging? We need to, like, things need to change. Otherwise, or are you that supportive? Or are you? Is it just an implied sort of? feeling out of how the new, a new change, I guess it comes with a new store as well. Yeah. I, um, it's just, you just get on and get it done mm. rather than stopping and thinking too much about when there's a project underway, you just have to keep pushing through regardless mm. of what's going on. And you've got to just get on and get the job done. Yeah. There's no, um, you know, there's thoughtful consideration in the decision that's made, but once you commit, you commit it, yeah. you see it through. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter what challenges come at you from left field because, by gollies, we've had some. Mm. And, you know, there's been deep personal challenges. There's been financial challenges and um, financial hardship over the years and you just get you not get knocked over with a curveball that you didn't see coming, but you have to get up and keep going. You can't. What are you going to do? You've got people around you that you are responsible, uh, have a responsibility to. You have children that you must continue to be a good parent, and so it's just it's about just you know just facing what facing every challenge. And then working through it to the next day and the next day. So you have six incredible stores now mm-hmm. on the Sunshine Coast. What's been your biggest, if I said what's your biggest success and what's been the biggest learning? Mm. Maybe within the 30 years, let's say. Yeah. Well, um, there's been some real moments where we've put every single cent on the line. You know, I think... To to grow. So if you don't do it, it's almost like I say, when Bly Bly is a great example of this, there was a real chance that if we didn't invest in Bly Bly and grow that store, then we probably would have lost everything anyway. So it almost gets to a point where you don't have really any other choice because you're going to go out the back door anyway. So you've got to put everything you've earned everything you've worked for, it's like putting all black on the roulette wheel and just take that. That's the level of gamble that you have to take if you want to progress to the next level because if you don't do that, you ain't going to be here. So I think there's their pivotal moments and some of the biggest learnings, you know, sometimes you just get 
you know, life happens. It's been, uh, you know, we had a st- we had one particular store that was going really well. We built it up. We bought it sort of at a, a lower level. We built it up. It was going tremendously. And we had a major competitor come in and take us out at the knees. And you just have to, you know, I guess um, always be looking around. What's, you know, that's why we're very always exploring what's happening in the area, what's happening in your catchment, mm. what's happening in the community. And you have to proactively continue to explore and understand that because nobody's going to very, you know, come along and say, oh, excuse me, you know. you We're a competitor. <laughs> Do you mind? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess, you know, there's been many learnings. but And they're really, I think... I think the most heartening thing, I guess, that I have admired and I respect the most is the support and the dedication from our, the people we have around us, our team. And, you know, being able to build a team, that's been one of my most extraordinary, um, I guess, th- uh, uh, I guess it's something that's happened in my life that I never, ever thought, never, never saw it coming. You know, when you're starting out in the beginning, you don't think, oh, one day we're going to employ 500 people. Yeah. It's just not on your radar. It's just been a gradual thing. But um, And they are 500 fantastic human beings. Yeah. Mm, they're a real joy. So most recently you opened up Forest Glen mm. and I remember distinctly you guys were time, not necessarily time pressured, but there was a last minute, and I'm sure it happens at all stores, the last minute, getting everything ready but there's a wonderful photo of you with a uh, safety belt up oh. on the top of the on top of the yeah. rafters oh my gosh pinning yes. pinning greenery yeah. decorating on like the day before the store yeah. was opened um what goes into uh the desire for you to open up a store because you don't have to yeah right um to say and and I've been I was I've been fortunate enough to remember you saying to me, we're going to do Forest Glen, here are the plants. And not that I was privy to much else other than being there at the opening, but it's extraordinary to see that all come to fruition. Mm. Yeah, what for you, what what drives you to go one more? Let's, mm. let's do it again. I kind of get lured in sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I guess before there's a set of plants on the table, there would have been 18 months' work gone into understanding that opportunity. And so there's a lot of research that is undertaken before we put a set of plans down to understand what, understand the area, the competitors, you know, the landscape. Um, Is there room here for this? Does it make sense? Does it, uh, how does it impact on the other, you know, where are our other stores? Um, Then you start to... um, you know, you make progress with your plans. You're talking to the landlord. You're, you know, to signing a lease agreement. You, you know, progressing. Then I start to. And Michael does a lot of that commercial work, as you as you identified before. And then I come into a point where, because of that research, you start to understand the history, the background. You start to connect with the area, the people talking to people and I start to build a bit of a vision on, I guess, respectfully representing that and creating something really special that 
is going to help connect that community together based on all the amazing things that we've discovered and uncovered. Mm -hmm. And in that beautiful Forest Glen region area, there's so much rich, rich and diverse history about the people that lived there before, mm. the families, uh, the Gibsons, you know, Grandma Gibson. That's a sixth-generation family that still live in Forest Glen, farming family. And Grandma Gibson renamed that area and put five names in a hat. Her grandson told me this. Put five names in a hat and drew out Forest Glen. And that's how it was named. <laughs> yeah, right. Forest Forest Glen. Glen, But they used to grow beans and pineapples and citrus in that area. Mm. And there was a lot of even the traditional um, First Nations people and I think some of the Torres Strait um, peoples came and they did a lot of the pioneering, the early pioneering work in that area. It's always been a, a central, you know, sort of place near the Bruce Highway, lots of people buzzing and whatever. But, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people and a lot of businesses in that you know, you don't sort of notice it mm. as much. It looks sort of like, um, but it's a really, it's uh, it has such a diverse and interesting background. And I guess I just wanted to bring a lot of that into the store so other people can feel that. So when I build a store and design a store, it's, yes, it can be beautiful, but what's more important is when you walk in, it's how it makes you feel. Mm. And there's a lot of subtle uh design and thought and consideration gone in that all comes together to be able to create that heart space for the community. So when you walk in, you're just feeling the history and the background and the richness of the area and the people and the families who live there. What drives you um, when you said it takes about 18 months before the plans are drawn? From the first moment, that first day, let's say, of that 18 Mm. months, what drives Ros White to say, yep, I, you know, where is that coming from in terms of, is it to plug a hole that the community needs that you see? Yeah, it's, it is. And um, when you see a clear, it if it makes sense, and this is where the point we've got to now, if, if it doesn't make sense, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you can see an opportunity and you can see that you need to create something there. They, the, the community could well do with this solution. I, I, I think it, it's transactional to begin with yeah. and then it develops. Sure. A, you develop a connection and you start to resonate and then, it, you know, you bring that unique character <coughs> into the store. But um, it's it's quite transactional, I think, to start with and then you identify, okay, yep, here's a clear gap and I know that we can provide a solution for mm. that. You and I were talking partly in confidence but... I'll draw out some of it from for today's discussion, but you talked about when you don't have, uh, when you're unsure as to the direction that you should go, and I might be hacking this and paraphrasing it poorly, so please correct, but uh, your advice to me was that you, it's through the process of initiating like the direction or going forward with it, the mm. act of actually starting. Yeah. Provides the clarity. Yes, yes, a hundred percent correct. So that is every time, without fail, singularly my biggest learning in life mm. is take action, and the clarity will come. You don't know all of the answers when you begin, but if you can just have the courage to get started, then as you step through the process, 
of even if you just you see the end game, you can see the start. You can see the start and you can see the end. You haven't quite defined how to get there. But if you've got the courage to start, you will navigate, even if you go to plan C and plan D or whatever. But it it all just becomes it it the answers are all there. If you dig deep enough, do your research, you absorb yourself in the project. The answers are all there. Mm. And so if you sometimes walk blindly, but you will stumble across the little golden nugget and you'll have an epiphany and it'll just drop out of the sky like that and it'll all just become very clear. So you trust you trust in that so heavily that you you know where you are, right? So you know where you're starting and you know where the end game is what you want to be. I have no idea how, how many, which plan A, B, C, F, mm. Z that you'll take to get there, but mm. you trust yeah. that you'll find that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But there's a lot of research and, and um, practice and process and there's a lot of activity and attention and focus that you have to undertake to, to, un- to be able to see what's where you're going to head. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Probably but not. I think, but I, think I, I guess it's more, it's more the trust that, you just do that mm. and the clarity, the, yeah. the, which which plan is best to get to the finish line. So is. you would have already identified that you can see um, where essentially the project before you. Mm-hmm. So you go, so think about Forest Glen. So the opportunity arises. It's very transactional to start with. You're just putting, you know, feasibility, sort of a bit of a do, a bit of a... Is it going to work? What's the catchment? You know, that that sort of process. And once you identify that this is becoming a real project, then it's really just about making sure that you uncover every stone to make sure that it is going to be absolute gold that mm. you produce. And that takes every cell in my body. It it It's not just, oh, yeah, okay, well, we'll just do what we did last time. We've got a bit of a framework, so let's, you know, yeah. no way. It is full. I get sucked right in. This is why it's an exhausting process. So every store is like giving birth to a new child. Mm. Um, it's probably more exhausting, maybe. No, oh. but it is... I put every cell in my body goes into that. Yeah. I leave no stone unturned. Yeah. And um, every element, the stores are intimately designed. Every element is considered. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it, it's every surface, every finish, it's every every piece of the dedication of, of whether it's fresh or whatever you're doing. It is a full 100% every cell in my body. Um, deep consideration and um, and so it's almost it's yeah it's a very big big challenge mm. and then by the end on opening day when you're trying to look like you're excited you're actually exhausted. absolutely <laughs> exhausted <laughs> and um, but you know what it's um, it's great when people can then, feel connected to something that you've created because that then gives you joy. Um, you've got a wonderful podcast yourself called Local Vores, um, which brings in the local suppliers mm. um, and talks about their passion and what they're doing with those, mm. with that, with their food or their products. Um, so and I think, I mean, it's wonderful for a Sunshine Coast person to listen to, but I think it's also wonderful for 
any person that wants to be inspired to uh, think more about local produce, mm. wherever they are in the world, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I'd encourage everyone to jump on and listen to that. Thank um, you, but Richard. from that, two ideas that have come from listening to those podcast episodes mm. that you hold strong is the idea of just do it. Mm. And like you said, leaving no stone unturned. Mm. So my question uh, for you is what's next for Ros White and the White's family? Um, I guess we are actually at a point in our lives now where, you know, Michael's got the commercial stuff that's going on to finish the building three at Bly Bly, which he looks after all the development side of stuff. And he's looking forward to that being, you know, getting that monkey off his back and just finishing that. You never say never, and I guess, you know, we're incurable in some ways, but I think we're both at a point where we are actually going, you know what, we could we could quite happily just pull up for a little bit and consi- the the sensible thing to do would be to sort of just stop for for a bit and consolidate. When you say stop for a bit, you mean another store or further growth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just know, you know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, mm-hmm. know when to walk away. Mm-hmm. And we've done that before, um, you know, in our in our pro- in our I guess the last thirty years, you know, sometimes when you just got to pull it up. Mm. Rationalise, streamline, consolidate. Be more, get more efficient. Yes. Yeah. And the last time we did that was in 2011. It's healthy to stop and do that. Yeah. Sometimes you can flog yourself on projects that don't make sense. Mm. Why? Let them go. Mm. It's healthy to stop and reflect and stop. You don't have to continue to just barge ahead. It's only Michael and I and our, you know, our kids or whatever. But so as long as you are content and you're fulfilling the things that you want, it's not like we're going to go and retire because I think we'd probably kill each other. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I could stand being with Michael 100% of the time. He'd drive me crazy. Um, but, you know, I guess that's the point where we, we are pu- probably pushing towards whether we just just maybe just pull up for a bit. Yeah. Let's just finish this project here. Let's just stop mm. and let's just see, you know, where Work. where we're at. Not force it. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, there's always going to be another project. But as I said before, if it doesn't make sense, why do it? Mm. And I'm in that that's where I'm. I'm in that space now. If it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. Sometimes things make sense, mm. and so you just—it's almost like a no-brainer. You just get on with it. You know, when you don't have to think too deeply about it, you just know it's right. Yeah, you follow that path. So you just follow that path. Sometimes when things you there's resistance, and you're kind of getting this sick feeling, and you just not sitting right, and you know that intuition sometimes your gut is a good thing sometimes. Sometimes you have to listen to it. And you got to look at it, your life, you know, and where you're at in life. Do you want to just keep going or do you want to just go, you know, it's okay to stop, smell the roses. Mm. So who knows? But we'll always stay busy. Sure. We'll always stay involved. Um, and, you know, 
I'm quite content with where we're at at the moment. Beautiful. Well, I want to know what mm. what was the most adverse thing you had to encounter mm. to get mm. to where you are now. Because I yeah. think dealing with adversity and... and well, the real, the real, oh, that I'd end up in tears. The thing that I don't talk about much because it's too painful is the deep, deep, deep loss of losing my sister and my brother and, you know, my parents as well. But I didn't, obviously, um, yeah. when I wanted to talk about family, I didn't want to bring Yeah, any because of it. that's still really raw for me. But that, if you really want to know, that is probably the biggest challenge of my life to get through that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's but that's a whole, it's almost like you have to write it down because I don't think I could get through it. But the, the depth of just, you know, and the, and the struggle, like my personal struggle. Through that. To keep my head above yeah. water without going into self-destruction. But I did go through a lot of self-destruction because... I, um, of that self-sabotage and guilt and, you know, almost survivor guilt and didn't, didn't give a rat's ass about, um, myself, my health, um. Because you, that was the reaction to the guilt. Yeah, well, just the grief, the, I don't know, the destruction, the despair, the heartbreak, the hurt, the, and just, I... You know, on a terrible path for a long time, and just put a mask on. Get up in the morning, put a mask on, go as if nothing was up, and then you come home. And then years it took me six years to say goodbye to my sister. She broke my heart when she went. Yeah, because we were like that. Yeah, and you're that little girl that looks up to. Yeah, your older sister. Mm. Like you, it's like you're a hero. Mm. Is gone, and she was my, you know, she was my mother, my sister, my best friend, my yeah, and yeah, it was hard. It was, it, I and I had to do a separation. I had to disconnect emotionally, and when you disconnect emotionally, then of course there's a fallout from that, isn't there? Like that was my only way to cope. And so when you, you you pull back and you hold in, you you ask Michael, honestly, he would be sometimes just like, what do I do? He would reach out to some of my friends. Nobody would ever see this. I'm sharing my deeper, deepest, aren't I? Nobody would ever see this because, you know, you just, you carry that inside because you carry on for what you need to, yeah. But I always felt like, I felt like in my traumatic and dealing with trauma is that you have this feeling like no one can help because yeah. no one understands yes. exactly what you're feeling. Yeah, they, that's right. So and then it, I don't need, mm. I don't need any of that yes. because you're not even getting close to dealing yeah. with what I'm dealing with. That's, that's true. That's accurate. And you can't even articulate it when somebody says what, how, what, whatever, or how can I help? Or, yeah. or they want to, they really want to provide a they want to provide support because they care so they want to reach out and they go well what about this or what about that solutions yeah and they're always looking for solutions yeah you've got so yeah. much to be happy about yes. like it's like i don't yes. need, i don't need to hear that remember the good times <laughs> 
And your brain isn't there, is it? No. It's somewhere different. Yes. And you only have to, yes, you're right, you can only go through it on your own. It's just a slow process. Yeah. And they're, they're like they're all good intentions. Like they're yeah, only coming with wanting to help. But yeah. it's almost if that guilt yeah. or that sense of I don't deserve sometimes you think I just don't deserve yeah. that help. Yeah. Also. Yeah. It's like Yeah. But But it, it So what was the turning point for you? Well, maybe I'm still coming to terms with things because I remember after six years, I remember looking up at a photograph of my sister on the wall and saying goodbye to her. That was that was a turning point. I finally was able to say goodbye and let her go. But um, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll, I'm not the same person. I still haven't. I'm I'm very different. It's there's two. There's this and because this. Because of that? Yeah. Do you think that... that uh, separation of those two, like of you having two people inside of you, wasn't there before? Well, I guess as, you know, as you go through life, there's you continually evolve and sure. you face with different challenges and you, you evolve. But, yeah, I believe there's a, there was a clear... I was a much more carefree... Um, probably less, you know, yeah, sure, I was committed to work and always hard working and whatever, but one of my really big, one of the avenues, my coping mechanisms was to absolutely throw myself yeah. into work like that was my escape. And so I think it helped forge the person. I almost like kind of became even more elevated as a businesswoman because of it, because that's easy. Yeah. That's such an easy thing to do. But yeah. it almost like you, at that point, you were like, okay, that's that's one face of Roz that everyone sees. Mm. And when you get home, mm. you're faced with mm. your reality. Yeah, sadness. And yeah. And, and all those silly, you know, those terrible you know, the way you talk, and I'm still really naughty and speak to myself terribly, terribly. you know. You, I think most of us do. But just, um, yeah, I guess that I'm not worthy or I'm not, you know, like terrible. You know, and if I heard somebody say that about my friend. Or your child. Or, yeah. You, you would, would just, never say that to your child. No way. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm still getting still going through it. Do you think, and this, this, I don't want this to be at all disrespectful, but do you think... You have, is there any learnings from that that helped you with mum? Yeah, because I, yes, very different. Mm. So there was Janie and then Bobby died two and a half years after that and that was a real shock because it was a suicide. Then my father, when my dad died in 2018, so Jane died in 2009, Bobby died in 2012. Dad died in 2018, 17. Dad died in 17. And in January, he died in December 17 and in 18, I fell in a massive hole, felt like I mourned the three of them together. And I just um, took myself up to Woodgate and I'd just walk on the beach. That's what I say to people. I'd just, just walk, just walk on the beach and just walk it out. Yeah. Just, 
And I feel that I really, I was able to then make a move forward. So then for mum, like I miss my mother. I mean, I miss her every single day and I yearn to, to, to be with mum. But I it was a different experience altogether because I had the opportunity, remember, to nurse her. Mm. And it was a beautiful, it was like that was a comfort. And so, and mum was just, she, her little body, she'd come to the end of her life and all she wanted to do was be with dad. Mm. And and I had the privilege of being able to um, look after Help her. Help her at that time. And, yeah. and there when she passed over to meet dad. And um, and so it was a real comfort. Mm. And it was, it's been a completely different experience. Yeah. So I feel more uh, at peace with mum's passing, even though I miss her desperately. Mm. Um, and every loss is different, just as every challenge is, and you find you react in a different way too. And so you, um, yeah, I think you just not one, one grief is, is they're all, yeah, they're, they're all different for different reasons. So you, it's a different journey. And nobody can say you should do this or should do that because it's a very personal experience and very personal journey. There yeah. is no a- actual answer. There's no right or wrong. There's no to me there's no stage. You know, they talk about stages of grief. I'm not sure what is sits behind that psychologically. It's probably, you know, there's probably a lot of research that's been able to put that, you know. Certainly not the end of the day. No. And it's and okay, and it's okay yeah. because you go, you like, you don't want to put pressure. Oh, I'm going through the the angry stage or the whatever. Well, you mightn't have an angry stage uh, or whatever because it's no right or wrong. Yeah. It's just your it's so personal. It's just your journey. Yeah. So and and grief can come for many reasons. It doesn't have to be the loss of a or a death of a person. As you know, yeah. you know it's you grieve for any loss yeah. or devastation, don't you, in your life? Yeah. So, well, this has been so lovely to spend this much time with you, Roz. Um, Did I? When we, for every guest, we have uh, quick fire questions at the end. Yeah. So uh, the first one is number one tip that people can use to be more successful in life. Always stay open-minded because you never stop learning. And if you stop looking to learn, yeah, I think you stop as a person. Okay. Mm. Uh, same question again but for people who can be who are looking to be more happy in life or, f- or f- following that path. Don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, I love that. Mm. I know it sounds old cliche but and just be happy with little things. Yeah, because sometimes they're actually the best. Mm. Simple. You ooze gratitude as well, Roz. So that mm. must be a big part. Of, I am. Yeah. Every day. Who, you know, I live in the most beautiful part. We, we, we live in yeah. the most beautiful part of the whole world, if you ask me. The Sunshine Coast is extraordinary. Yeah. We're surrounded by a supportive community who does actually lift each other up and cheers each other on. I have a beautiful family. I have a great husband, fantastic children. A great team. My goodness, I've got, like, what is not to love about all of that? I'm very fortunate. Mm. Yeah, we've worked hard, but 
we've been very, very fortunate along the way. We've had a lot of support. Most influential person in your life? My father influenced me greatly. My So my parents, of mm. course, my husband and my children. How can children not influence or be a massive influence on your life? Because they change your life. Mm. And... Um, but yeah, all for different reasons. Beautiful. Uh, most recommended book? I really love autobiographies and biographies, particularly uh, Pioneering Women in the Outback because I resonate. I can resonate because that was sort of part of my childhood living, um, not just where I grew up but also the experiences I had on that cattle station my family had in northwest Queensland. And uh, I love that spirit, that pioneering spirit. Mm. A business book I found helpful was How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Just some real gold nuggets in that. Um, and, yeah, any any reading's good. And finally, a uh, guest, famous or not, that you think would be great for us to interview. I tell you what, there's some amazing Olympian, Paralympians in our community. Mm -hmm. Laurie Lawrence, he would be an absolute cracker. (laughs) I I think he lives in Brisbane. Um, But, you know, I think with the 2032 games that are coming up, to inspire particularly the young people because the nine-year-olds today will be 19 or, you know, 18, 18, 19 uh, for 2032 and there will be some aspiring athletes but also kids that we need to be able to ensure they understand what the opportunities are for them. And so I just see that as an enormous opportunity for all of us to um, to understand who's here in our little village and who can we put on a pedestal to be able to inspire our community. And there's so many people in this community that can do that. Um, but there's, about, there's a lot of ex-Olympian and Paralympians here. So I could say Duncan Armstrong, Alana Quaid, who was Alana Boyd, she was pole vaulter. Um, even Benny Pike, he's been, you know, he's he's an ex-boxer. Yeah. Um, Blake Cochran, uh, Brendan Burkett. Uh, there's, there's so many. Mm. Uh, so take your pick. <laughs> okay. Which one do you want? <laughs> That's a lot of guests, but I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you coming on, sharing your wisdom, your history and um, and your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's been a real joy. Thanks, Ros. <laughs> that was Ros White. It was such a privilege to sit down with her and talk about all things success and happiness throughout her career and her personal life as well. I hope you all really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it and I encourage you to share this episode with anybody who you think would get something from it. So until next time, peace.